This is Sound School, the backstory to great audio storytelling. PRX and Transom co-produce Sound School. I'm Rob Rosenthal in Woods Hole, Massachusetts. Most definitely, the radio center of the universe. Did you get a chance to check out the list of winners and finalists at this year's Third Coast International Audio Festival competition? Man, so many solid and creative stories. Like work from Radio Diaries and Outside In, which is the show from New Hampshire Public Radio about the natural world. A personal fave of mine, Rumble Strip's Finn and the Bell was honored. I think I would have pitched a fit if it hadn't been. Other honorees include uh, long-form work like You Didn't See Nothing and Sold a Story, which rightfully earned an Impact Award for its enterprise reporting on how young people are taught to read. And there were categories that were new to me. Audio Unbound was one. That was for more artistic storytelling approaches, like the winning piece, Promise, Burden, Prompt, Origin, Defense, Palette, Call. Love that title from David Pham in Vietnam, which David describes as a meandering poem performance essay record. And another category, uh, Best Non English Language Documentary, a story from Lithuania took top honors there. I Remember His Look, The Story of a Soldier and a Migrant was the piece. Best of all, there were a lot of pieces I'd never heard before. Discovering new work is like that feeling you get when you go to a used record shop and buy some records you have no idea about, and you put them on the turntable and wait to be surprised or dismayed, but mostly surprised. In fact, I've decided to listen through each of the documentaries from finalists and winners in search of inspiration and to hear great work I missed. And so it got me thinking, what Third Coast award-winning work have I featured on Sound School in the past? Well, it turns out quite a few pieces, actually, including one I'd forgotten about. Sorry, Rachel Matlow. Rachel earned a Best New Producer Award from Third Coast in 2016 for her story, Dead Mom Talking. An amazing piece, weaving together... Well, I'm not going to tell you. I'll let them tell you. Here's the archive episode featuring my chat with Rachel. (laughs) Say you're a radio producer and you learn your mom is ill, really ill stage four cancer. What do you do? Well, you help out in any way you can, of course. And if you're Rachel Matlow, you start recording. I just had this instinct to preserve as many of her memories as I could. Rachel is a producer at Spark, a technology show produced by the CBC in Canada. So I just started off asking her about her childhood, her parents, the story of my birth. Uh, But then, of course, I just naturally wanted to ask her about what I should do after she dies. You know, I guess I was just trying to get in as much motherly advice as I could. In her work, Rachel is not usually the one with a microphone. Her job is behind the scenes. She helps plan and produce shows. But regardless, she picked up a mic and interviewed her mom in bed, in the sunroom, all around her apartment. Rachel recorded about five hours in total. I didn't really have a plan. Um, I just wanted them for preservation. I just thought, you know, one day my niece or if I had a kid would want to listen to my mom one day. Um, You know, I just thought, okay, when my birthday comes around, I can listen to the story of my birth that would be comforting. Then about six months after her mom passed away, a thought came to Rachel, a thought probably everyone has at one time or another after you lose someone you love. You just want to talk to them one more time. I was feeling that urge one day and then, you know, this, I could hear my mom's voice uh, saying that very same thing, you know, 
and I had her on tape saying, you know, it's so common for people to say, if only I could pick up the phone and talk to my mom one more time. And I kind of thought, hey, like, I could kind of put together, you know, with the magic of radio and editing, um, one last conversation using the tape I had of her. It, it seemed like a challenge, you know, could I even cut this together, you know, like kind of like Natalie Cole, Nat King Cole uh, style, their duet Unforgettable. Um, I was like, could I make my own version of that? With this idea in mind, Rachel dove into the tape, listening to her now dead mom hour after hour for several days, trying to figure out how to make a story. It was really exhausting. <laughs> um, you know, it was it was also really lovely spending so much time with her voice and, you know, it helped me to memorize so many of the wise things she had said. But making this project was also, it was really tiring in ways I don't even think I was conscious of. You know, I'd just be so tired at the end of each day. You know, I kept joking that it was bring your dead mom to work day again. <laughs> so I did it for uh, 11 days. Um and then, and then I just wanted it to be done. <laughs> and when she was done, she had produced a truly remarkable story, her very first. In fact, she won a Best New Producer Award from the Third Coast Festival. The story is called Dead Mom Talking. Hey, Mom. I'm here at your bench. Looks really good. It's just what you wanted. Well, you really have missed a lot in the past year. Your after party went really well. Lots of people came, and I even did stand-up comedy about you. You know you've always been a source of good material. And you'd be happy to know that Harper is out. Trudeau got in. Oh, and the second season of Transparent is really good. I wish we could have watched together. And the holidays and birthdays haven't been the same without you. Bringing up something inappropriate at the table, like furries. <laughs> <laughs> I miss that laugh. I really wish I could talk to you. Yeah. That's a common thing I keep reading that people are here. That if only I could just pick up the phone once and talk to her again. <sighs> if you want, just talk to me. Just think you're talking to me okay but it's not the same as you actually being alive and here right now it's not the same but no it's not the same <laughs> no it's not the same I sometimes just think you're on a really long silent meditation retreat I don't know where you are but I wish you were here I know I wish I were here too <laughs> I just don't know how to get through this without you. I mean, I, I knew I would be sad, but I never knew I'd be this sad. What would you tell me if you were here? I would tell you that everybody has a lot of sadness in their life. Everybody does, no matter what they look like on the outside. And sometimes you go for a, quite a long time with everything great. But everybody does suffer, and so it's not weird or wrong or not socially acceptable to be sad. I know it's not weird, but I'm not always sure I know what to do. Well, one thing is just to sit with it. That's the Buddhist way. You just feel the loss and the pain, and it'll move. It'll move a lot faster than if you try to, like, just 
take it away or suppress it or, you know, it's just better to say, I'm missing my mother right now. I'm missing my mother right now. If you're sad, be sad. Because it's life. You can't, you know what I mean? It's unfortunately, people die. We all die. So, and the people left behind are the ones who really suffer. Like, I mean, the person might be terrified of dying beforehand, but I don't have any worries about going to hell or heaven. <laughs> I'm glad you have a sense of humor about it. <laughs> but as the person left behind, what else can I do when I miss you? Uh, you could, I have a lot of diaries that are usually like, oh, I'm so unhappy. I don't, don't, don't. But I'm not going to throw them out. If you want to read them, <laughs> if you want to know about my sex life, you can. <laughs> um, but it is a way you might want to, or some of them, or start them, or read pieces. I, I think it would be, you know what I mean? It would really bring me back, because they're all handwritten, and they're um, pretty raw. I wish they could really bring you back. But I'll still give them a read, at my own risk. I just can't get over the fact that you won't be here to see some really big things in my life. Like if I get married or have a kid. Oh, cripes. There's nothing you can do except I want to tell you this and I want you to remember it, that I couldn't be any prouder of you than I am today, but I wish I could see that. I do. Mm -hmm. I mean, I wish I could see everything that goes on in your life from now on. I just had a thought. Yeah? If you do have a daughter, could you give her Elaine even as a middle name? Sure. Okay. I would like that. Well, only if I have a daughter. <laughs> I know. But if you did. Or a dog. I mean, how many dogs are named Elaine? It would be very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't be weird at all. But it already sucks for small things, like you not having been around for my birthday. So I can't imagine what's going to feel like if you miss the birth of my kid or dog. Well, when you concentrate on gratitude and what you were given, you can't feel sorry for yourself like you can't do both at the same time it actually is an impossibility so I would like actually consciously look for some gratitude at that moment like I've been given a lot in my life and I've had real losses and grief too and one of them is that I wish my mom could be here but everybody gets both I mean reframing is a good idea too sometimes and I don't mean it sounds cheap sometimes but but I think it's a really good thing to do so reframing you know, Mom, you've really been there for me and it's been good to talk to you during these times and I wish I could in the future. To reframe it in that I had a mother who did give me that, I've got some of that inside me now. It's part of me. And I did get some really good mothering and, I mean, it's a complicated relationship, but I think ours has been great. And that great is better than perfect. Way better. I agree. It's been great. It hasn't been perfect because perfect is... Impossible. Uh, yeah, it's impossible. But it's been real and honest. Yes. Yes. And a lot more than that. Yeah, we have a good time together. It's like... Yeah, we had so much fun. Yeah, and we support each other and, you know... You really think you're in me? Yeah, I do. But also, we are, <laughs> like... <laughs> 
we're a mother and daughter uh, son, and we're we're very entwined. So, like, you'll never forget me. I mean, the grief will fade. Um, and it's funny with me, and I don't know if it'll happen with you, but every once in a while, I'm just hit by it. And, you know, every once in a while, I'll just think of my father and just really want to talk to him. And, 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 and with my mother, it's quite often on the radio. I don't know why, but they play I'll Be Seeing You, and that was our song. And, and it makes me cry. <laughs> so... I'll be seeing you in all the old familiar places That this heart and mind embraces all day through In that small cafe, the park across the way the children's carousel, the chestnut trees, wishing well. That song also reminds me of Grandma. Now it makes me think of you and all the places we used to go to together, like the art gallery. Oh, I know. Drinks on the roof of the park plaza. I know. Walking in this ravine. Well, we've been very lucky. We really were. We really have been extremely lucky. I just wish somebody would have told me that the luck was going to run out so soon. I wish you didn't have to leave me. I don't want to leave you either. So, like, from right now, I think, well, I'm not going to, so in some way or another, a light bulb will flicker or something will happen mm-hmm. and you'll know I'm around. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's just so hard to fathom that we will never be together again. I know. That, the dialogue doesn't stop. Like, it's, it's final, but the person is, has been and is so a part of you that... You know, you can feel, like I used to feel my dad's presence around me quite often. And whatever that meant, and whatever the reason, it felt like being embraced or helped or held or something. That sounds really nice, but I don't know if that makes sense. I mean, am I going to feel your presence like a ghost in the room? Okay, Rachel, you think you're so rational, but you're sitting here on a bench talking to a picture. Touche. I do feel very connected to you right now, but I know you're dead. I was there when it happened. 7.23 p.m. on July 6th. That's when you took your last breath. Really let yourself feel it and cry if you need to, because if that shifts, you're clearing away something. Um, And if not, it's just getting more stuck. Yeah, but I still feel like there's this expectation that I should be able to get over it. Like I'm not supposed to be feeling this down. Well, I understand you're feeling down and there's no time limits to grieving or no way it goes. 
go in waves where there's a wave where you're not actually truly suffering for a couple of months and then bang, it hits you again. Like you just don't know. So it's normal to feel the way you do for sure, as I'm sure you know. I don't know. What's normal? Is it normal to miss you this much? Again, let yourself just feel it. And then here's what I'm telling you. You are one of really everybody in the world. And, I mean, you can escape it by dying when you're a baby, I guess, but you can't really escape suffering and pain. If you live long enough, illness, old age, nobody can. It's part of who we are. And it's part of life. And it really sucks that for both of us that I had to go before I went. But you have, like, you're, you're extraordinary. And you have in you anything I gave you, um, including the stuff you might have to talk to a shrink about. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but you have all those things that I gave you that were positive and helpful. And you have all your natural, extraordinary qualities. And I just have complete faith that you will, you might make mistakes, everybody does, but that you, you will be able to create a good life, a very good life. And so you're really, really going to be all right. And I just know that for sure. Thanks. I don't know if I totally believe that right now, but I guess I'll take your word for it. I love you. I'll talk to you later. That's Dead Mom Talking by Rachel Matlow. Stunning. And such a simple idea, right? I mean, with, as Rachel put it, the magic of radio and editing, why isn't this sort of production done more often? A kind of fictionalized conversation with real tape, if you will. But where do you start? Rachel had five hours of wide-ranging conversation on tape and an idea, fashion a conversation. But how did she wade through the tape? I was still in that initial first-year grief stage and what I needed most just it just came naturally was just to hear her voice on how to deal with it. Um, you know, it's really ironic that when you lose your mom, it's your mom who you need the most. So I just I focused that the conversation would be about that. So I went through the tape and looked for pieces where she was giving me advice. But Rachel couldn't choose any old tape about advice. She had to find quotes from her mom that were in the present tense. Now think about it. Rachel's manufacturing a conversation that is supposed to sound like it's happening now, in the present. And the tape she selected needed to sound, in terms of the verbs, it needed to sound like the two of them are in the moment talking to each other. And then another challenge was that her voice had diminished. So I had to line up her good voice at the beginning and her faded voice towards the end. So in many ways, that really dictated the narrative arc. You know, I, I don't think I would have necessarily structured the conversation in the way that I did, but I'm, I'm happy with how it turned out. So there's this old saying in radio that the tape rules, and it's just the idea that you put your story together based on the good quotes, the, the quotes that pop. Um, that the tape leads, I guess, is another way to say it. And I had fully expected that not to be the case with you. Somehow, listening to this, I thought 
you were going to lead. In other words, that you would sit down and you had a story to tell and that you would just go find the tape to support, no. yeah, <laughs> to support, you know, a, a kind of essay, if you will. Uh, but it sounds like that's not the case at all. Completely not the case. No, mother's tape ruled 100%. I had her there and then I fit my uh, my narrative just around what she had to say. So there are a, a handful of moments where you step on your mom or you interject as though it was like a natural conversation. She was saying something and then you say something over the top of it, just like a regular old back and forth with anybody. Uh, you could, I have a lot of diaries that are usually like, oh, I'm so unhappy, I don't know. But I'm not gonna throw them out. If you want to read them, if you want to know about my sex life, you can. Mom. <laughs> How did those moments come about? I'm happy you picked up on that. Um, because she would often be talking about her sex life or, you know, and even in my 30s now, I, I would, I w that's how I would always still feel like, oh, mom. It hasn't been perfect because perfect is... Impossible. Uh, yeah, it's impossible. But it's been real and honest. Yes. Yes. And a lot more than that. Yeah, we have a good time together. It's like... Yeah, we had so much fun. Yeah, and we support each other and, you know... I think it just felt natural. We always, that was the, how our family interacted. We would just interrupt each other. Um, and it just, it, that would, I, I think that's just what the tape was asking for. Well, it's being, you're being really, just talking about this radio-wise, you're being really playful with the tape. Yeah, it, it took a lot of takes, I have to say. Um, it didn't start off at the beginning. I felt my voice was very much not as relaxed and I was kind of scripting around what she was saying and it took a lot of takes to just speak around or throw to her. Um, and so then what I would do is I would put um, her tape in my earphones and I would listen while recording just like I am now holding a microphone and really just naturally speak to the tape. You ad-libbed? Yeah, most of it. I had a rough kind of structure of her quotes. Um, and, and then I had a rough idea of what I wanted to say in between or how to speak to those um, quotes of hers. But I didn't write it down word for word. Because it's also when you read, like, when you read a script, it doesn't feel natural. So I really wanted it to just feel like a conversation do a few lines and then come back to the computer and see if they matched. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, exactly. I'd be like, mm, that just didn't sound so right. Uh, go back and record again. Go back and record again. Was this risky um, as a daughter to wade into this tape in this way and try to create a conversation? I think so. <laughs> it felt risky for me. Um, I'm a producer. I enjoy being behind the scenes. Um, so it was very scary to do something so vulnerable and to share such a personal story. So it, it was it was risky. It was scary. Like there were definitely times where I was like, can I just quit this project? Um, but 
I kept going and I'm, I'm happy. I feel like it's, it's pushed me in a good way. Producer, Rachel Matlow. In case you were wondering, the bench in the story does exist. It's in Toronto at Cedarvale Ravine. And a word about Rachel's mom. Her name was Elaine Mitchell. She was born in 1943. She was a teacher in an alternative high school. She wrote mysteries. She also penned a guide to dating for women over 50. She was beautiful, wise, hilarious, and inappropriate in the best possible way. She was very real and authentic. And, you know, she had a great smile and lit up the room. Rachel subsequently published a book in 2022, Dead Mom Walking, a memoir of miracle cures and other disasters. It was a bestseller in Canada and was shortlisted for several Canadian book awards. I should also note in the archive episode, I mentioned Rachel works as a producer at Spark at the CBC. Well, no more. According to Rachel's website, they've gone on to work on podcasts with Pineapple Street Studios, Pleasure Studies, and Extra Magazine's podcast, Off the Chart. This is Sound School, the backstory to great audio storytelling. It's produced by Transom and PRX. My scripts? Nope, I don't ad-lib. I'd never finish an episode. My scripts are edited by Genevieve Sponsler at PRX and Jay Allison at Transom. I record in Woods Hole at WCAI. I'm Rob Rosenthal. Thanks for listening. transom.org.